Book Two, Greece. Chapter One, Returning. Last night I landed on this small Greek island where I came on pilgrimage 42 years ago. Sifnos, September 2019. Then I knew my mother was very ill and I took a sabbatical from my job at university to be ready, if that was at all possible to somehow prepare myself to be with her, to support her, to leave her, to say goodbye in the best way I could. My passion even then to be current with my people was not so easily enacted. She wanted me to be off doing what I was here to do, whatever that was. At age 28, I was still trying to figure it out. She did not want the attention and promised me she would be in touch as death got closer. And so I stood in Athens, asking the travel agent which island they did not advertise or recommend to tourists. Greece was a place I felt among the safest to travel as a woman, and the history, the sea, the land, the myths, all conspired to bring me. Now, All of these years later, understandably, so many more people have come. Where once I was one of three foreigners in a village, there are now rows and rows of places lining the beach, only housed by foreigners. Where there was a magnificent offer of one fish, the same fish every day by my hosts, there are now elaborate menus with 50 choices. One of the last nights I was here years ago, I was invited to climb for hours to the top of the mountain where an all-night funeral took place. It was a celebration of life, marked by the slaughtering of a goat, loud music, ouzo, dancing till dawn. It was similar in some uncanny way to how death was greeted in Bali, celebrated. I, too, had been invited there to a ceremony of celebration of life-death, leading me to embrace such ever since in a new way. Last night, upon arrival, we could not find our host to let us in, as she was at her uncle's funeral, and we had arrived late. At last, after a three-hour search of many places, We found a family member and were warmly welcomed. We dined on goat with candlelight at the sea's edge. It could have been the same family, the same meal, the remnants of another time, except for that boombox rave music blasting next door. The old and new story were as close alongside as any I had ever experienced, and actually No one seemed too upset. I knew, of course, my travel to other places in the world had and was sure contributing to the change, to the use of oil, to the commercialization, to the island people stepping back from their beachfront homes to rent and sell to the West. Colonization in another form, progress and development, or simply human nature. What names to call it? As the ancient call to explore continues, 
The Migration of Species Continues by Choice and by Force, by War and by Climate Change, as Tragedy Grows. So many on the move, so few content or even physically able to stay and be at home. I think again of the Hopi and an Aboriginal tribe I was blessed to be with, who not only wanted to stay on their ancestral lands, they needed to, to survive. Their relatives had all died soon after they had been forced to leave. How many in our world are connected and live where their ancestors did? One statistic is six only out of ten in America. And if not, how do they, how do we, come to an experience of belonging, of love and care for place, for Earth's sea? How to be part of the healing? The right, just way to live in this story remains clearer on some days than others. For now, I accept my being part of the change, if not for sure part of the problem. I am to live with it and ultimately must be awake and aware to the impact of my movement. Last night upon arrival, we found a woman next door to the place we thought we had rented. She was a Kiwi from New Zealand about my age. She came out to see how she might help us get in using her phone, calling up different numbers. After numerous texts with no results, she remembered that the owner's sister had a pottery shop not so far away. One thing, one lead, led to another, like a treasure hunt. We found our place late in the evening. Our Kiwi guide, we also discovered, was one of the very few other foreigners here in 1978, the same time a year as I. She too was returning for the first time after 40 so years. Of all the many people on this island, this one woman was there to meet and help us. I went to sleep, feeling my songline, with all of its imperfections, was alive, strong, and well. This morning I woke with one thought. I seek to offer experiences wherein people in this modern world can move more in synchronization with each other, with this earth, with nature, with ourselves, with our relatives, our ancestors, our dream. I do not seek to teach, to tell others to sit in silence to witness and to learn from nature, or even to meditate. And still, I want to encourage and support them to know when to do such, to listen deeply to their song or soul line, to have their own confirmation of a universal guidance, connection, consciousness, and story of which we are all a part. Today, here on Sifnos, I took my first somewhat long American-style hot shower in almost two months. 
We have been most recently at Tamara in Portugal, where water is so precious. And the water we know is precious, more so everywhere. I asked about the water when we first came here, as I noticed the increased population, as well as the dryness in the land. Margarita, our host, whose family comprise a third of this village, assured me all was good. She said, we have a desalinization system. So this, from the little I have learned so far, is not the best of alternatives. Last night, as the electricity went out over the entire island, seemingly for the first time, I wondered how all would fare. I wondered, too, about our future of plastic water bottles everywhere. Lakes like Constantine in Germany being sold to large corporations. Crystal geyser pumping water out of the ever-increasing desert floor of Paiuhunadu, the Owens Valley, California. This is where we live, or better said, perhaps, our guests at best, of the original peoples. Numu, Paiuchishoni. This is where we are stewards of three creeks and oasis. I, quote, bought this five-acre oasis with a one-acre pond in partnership with Stephen Foster and Meredith Little with a simple vision of sanctuary, a place for continued learning as part of nature, a place of incorporation, integration for much being learned through ceremonies each year in the Inyo Mountains, dwelling place of great spirit. I was not looking to own anything in my life at the time, especially land, and yet Stephen and Meredith called. They called me to the ceremony, the valley, and to this place, and I loved and respected them deeply, and I knew that something was calling us, each together, into this place we came to call Three Creeks. One plus one makes three, was a lesson I followed time and time again. Third presence was a phrase used by many council people to name the divine. Knowing I was not a nuclear family sort of person, I had traveled, worked, and lived in threesomes often. And here I was again, ready to add some support with finances, and they ready to support Three Creeks, being primary stewards. I was already committed to Ojai in a co-leadership seat there and needing to be on site for five months each year. Why, how could I, or would I, take on even more responsibility? As we walked and visited this land over a three-day period, the place invited us into a relationship. For me, this was the valley, and these were the lands where I had come to pray, heal, and learn through ceremony for 15 years. Though not so long in light of the peoples born into place over centuries, it was for me a significant experience of home perhaps the closest experience of such 
I would ever have. And it was through this ceremonial way in nature that I had confirmed my belonging, belonging to this earth, this world, in ways the suburbs of Connecticut had never offered. It was Easter weekend, I remember. I had flown from Mexico where I had been living on a boat, my boat, Oshana. How could I abandon my dream of life at sea to come into shared stewardship of this place? I have to say in truth, it was the water whose voice I heard. Somehow the beauty, the sanctuary, the softness of green, the water provided in these desert lands spoke to me. I felt my Vermont roots in the vegetation as well as my visionary self in the distant views of high mountains and wild spaces. Humans here were small in comparison to all of the life surrounding, and this seemed more than right. It seemed important, proportional, in balance, inspiring for me as I sensed it would be for the many who would come. Over those three days, we came to know that care for this place was connected to our care for the work, the valley, the people, and the ceremonies that we had been gifted. This was ours to do, to say yes, to care for this place, this water, this land, was part of the way to carry and continue our care, our prayer to widen the circle. Even though we did not know much more than that, we trusted the yes, and we trusted each other. I returned to Mexico on the next flight. Together we pooled our finances, proportional to what we each had, seemed only right. It was a relief to be with truth, love, and transparency, to build our agreements around such rather than any conventional terms. Over the next week, from a phone booth in a small Mexican harbor, we worked through the tricky realtors and the false counter bids. Three Creeks was ours for $450,000, which actually seemed a small amount, given the power, the beauty, the reality that it was one of the few places in this valley where the water had not been sold to Los Angeles Department of Water and Power.